Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world you get in four minutes. We start things off <laughs> in Cleveland, Ohio. Not a good week for offense in Maricopa County. Cardinals lose 27 to nothing. They have 57 yards of offense. They only pass for a team low 17 yards. Head coach Jonathan Gannon, what happened? I don't know, we couldn't run it, couldn't protect, couldn't throw it, so a lot of things to get cleaned up from the staff. Okay. This offensive juggernaut's at home now against Atlanta on Sunday in Glendale at 2 o'clock. Suns lose 112 to 100 in Philly. They gave up 20 points to three different players. Durant did have 31.8 boards, but then they beat Detroit yesterday 120 to 106. KD had 41 in that win. Yeah, coaches challenged us this morning in the film room uh, just to be better. Uh, we know that what the circumstances are back to back, so we tried to dig even deeper to try to get this W and just to get off that snide, man. So it's good to get a win. Eric Gordon also had 21 points and eight assists and only one turnover. Up next, the final game of the three-game road trip in Chicago, Wednesday, tip-off at 6 o'clock. The other embarrassing part of the offense this week was ASU. 55-3. Trent Borgay got hurt and left the game with minus one yards passing. Utah won the ground game 352 yards to 43. Kenny Dillingham, can you break down the problem? Football comes down to blocking and tackling. Okay. And if you can't block them, you can't tackle them. Nothing else matters. Wow. Love the uh, Metallica quote there. Now it's on the road to UCLA. Kickoff Saturday, 7 o'clock. At which time ASU will probably be playing an unranked UCLA team because the Bruins went to Tucson and got their butt whipped. Fifth straight ranked opponent on the schedule for U of A. Third straight win for the Wildcats. Beat UCLA 27 to 10. Jed Fish, should you now be ranked? Yes, I think we should be ranked. I really do. I think we've, uh, we've earned that right. They'll try that opportunity to get ranked coming up against Colorado. Fafita went 25 of 32 for 300 yards, had another great day. Three touchdowns, one interception. They take on the Buffaloes on the road Saturday at noon. Go! Coyotes lost at home 5 to 3 to Winnipeg. They led 2-0 and 3-2, couldn't hold it thanks to Niederreiter's hat trick. They take on Seattle, the Kraken are here tomorrow night. Rising were incredible. Their third straight road playoff win. They beat Sacramento 2-1 after being down 1-0, scoring late in extra time, or excuse me, in stoppage time. They're now the Western Conference champions. They go for the victory over the whole thing against Charleston Sunday at 5. Some crazy NFL games in which Houston had a massive comeback thanks to C.J. Stroud, and the Vikings won 31-28 when their starting quarterback got hurt. Dobbs came in. Yes, that Joshua Dobbs had a safety on the first drive and then threw a six-yard touchdown pass with 20 seconds left to win it. 
love y'all. Um, Josh Dobbs, honored to be in Minnesota, introduce myself to everyone. Um, tremendous game, my team effort. I know obviously the circumstance that was put in um, was a little abnormal for, for a Sunday in the NFL. And finally, Grant Williams and other members of the Dallas Mavericks couldn't explain their poor shooting during shoot-around. It got explained at game time. You know these cool courts that the NBA's been using for their play-in or their in-season tournament? Well, the corners are supposed to be 22 feet from the three-point line. Grant Williams went out there and looked. They got it wrong. <laughs> it was 22 feet uh, actually, it was 23 feet 11 inches instead of the 23-9 at the top of the key. They erased the line, painted a new line, and at least had it right for game time. Jackpot Unplugged Army. I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. If you go to Bell's Nashville Kitchen for the food, you're going to be shocked what a great bar it is. And if you go to Bell's Nashville Kitchen because you want to experience a great country bar, you're going to be shocked at how great the food is. And if you want something different to do this weekend, on Sunday, head out to Bell's Nashville Kitchen, Main Street, Old Town Scottsdale, and they got the car show in which they actually... Shut down the street a little bit. Cars that are pre-1990, plus they've got pastries and they've got coffee. And you can walk in later for the honky-tonk brunch and have a great meal at Bell's Nashville Kitchen. You found home. Down home. This was one of the craziest football weekends you'll ever see. And of course... I told you on Friday, with a backup quarterback starting and Dobbs as the third string, no doubt Falcons will cover the four-point spread. How'd that work? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world. Totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merc. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. How are you? Hopefully, everything went well for you this weekend. And uh, uh, sports-wise for me, it was unbelievably busy because there were so many things to watch, so many things to get caught up on, and I 
I'm so lucky I got caught up on a lot of things and then started, just started, but started my prep for Saturday's interview. I cannot tell you enough. Do whatever you can to listen to Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, coming up next weekend on the podcast. Do whatever you can to watch here at WTSMTV.com. And I would really encourage you to just try it. Try it for a month to be a, a member of our live group where you get to watch WTSMTV.com live or at least move up to On Demand. And the reason why I say that is when we get it produced, the TV show that I'm going to be putting together for late next week, we'll have excerpts of it throughout Doug Franz Unplugged, but for uh, the entirety of the show coming up next week, it's going to be huge. This Saturday interview, I am jacked up beyond belief to be able to do this. This is somebody that the rest of the nation is dying to talk to, and he's going to be talking to us exclusively here on WTSMTV.com and Doug Franz Unplugged. So that's next week. Uh, I'm not overselling this to you at all. When you find I, I don't want to tell you who it is until next week because very simply – the interview is Saturday, and I'm one of those types of people that believe crap happens. You know, something could happen, and something happens where the interview either is not done or something happens where we're not ready. I, I don't know, but I always plan for the worst, hope for the best. So I'm just leaving it out there that hopefully everything comes through next week, and I'll let you know Monday morning when we play some of it whether or not everything happened uh, according to hopefully my plan but this is one of those things where I think it is absolutely enormous and I can't wait for you to join me uh, next week uh, for those of you that were able to make it out to 100 mile brew on Friday thank you uh, just to be point blank I was a little disappointed I was a little disappointed uh, but it was not a sanctioned event I, that's you know I got to be fair to you when I announce something on a Wednesday but uh, I, I, was, I was hoping for a lot more, and I'd love your feedback on what, what I could do a better job of. Um, when, I, when we have these events, this is where we prove to our advertisers that it's worth it. It's worth it to be on Doug Franz Unplugged. And if you're not there, it's obviously not worth it to them. And then that's my job to give you the kind of content you're looking for that you accept I don't want to say responsibility, but kind of, that you accept that level of commitment between the two of us. I give you everything I've got every day to give you free content for two hours on the podcast version or content that's worth the price for you to spend here on WTSMTV.com to watch it either on demand or live. But there's more, or this obviously just can't keep going. So uh, to see if there's something, something more I'm not quite doing that reaches you, and I would love to know so I can be better at my job. Um, two other things. I, I, I don't have a lot of time to be able to talk about it today, but I just want to say congratulations to the Phoenix Rising. If you haven't been following the Rising, this is incredible what they're doing right now. I believe the number is two wins in stoppage time, one win in extra time. Stoppage time is when... I don't know why soccer does this. I'm a huge soccer fan, and I think it's stupid. I will always think it's stupid. Other people say, why? It's, it's, it's cool that it's different. I hate it. To me, it's very simple. Have a clock. When somebody gets hurt or is pretending to be hurt or, or people are arguing and there's no action, just turn the clock off. Just have it sit and not move anymore. And then once we start the game again, turn the clock on. Uh, to me, it's that simple. That's not the way soccer does it. A timer 
that uh, is who's the fourth uh, official sits there and keeps a running total of when they're not playing soccer, and then they add that stoppage time back to the end of the first half, back to the end of the second half. Well, at the end of the in the second half stoppage time, the Rising scored their second goal of the game to come back from a 1-0 deficit, so they're the sixth seed, and they've knocked off the three seed, the two seed, and the one seed all on the road on their way to winning the Western Conference Championship. Congratulations, Rising. And that was a great game on uh, on Saturday night. And they now travel to Charleston to uh, try to bring home a championship. They were not even close. They were far and away the best team in 2020. I mean, embarrassingly so. They crushed the competition game in and game out. I still feel terrible for Rick Schantz as Tampa, the Tampa Bay Rowdies could not control their own COVID and it kept ripping through the team. They kept rescheduling the championship game and finally USL just gave up and there was no championship game that year. Uh, really, they the Rising were the champions. Fine, you get it. But they got that t- stolen from them and now they've got an opportunity to reclaim that prize against Charleston. It's going to be a tough game, but I just wanted to say congratulations. And then in case... You're not fired up today. In case you're not ready to take on the week and stay focused, let's take a look at Georgia State. Uh, did you wake up this morning wondering how did Georgia State do? Well, Georgia State was taking on James Madison. James Madison, they're not eligible to be ranked by the college football playoff committee because they haven't been at the highest level of Division One long enough. But James Madison is undefeated. They're ranked in the Associated Press. And Georgia State at halftime, was only a touchdown behind and then completely fell apart in the second half. And their coach, Sean Elliott, has a seven-minute presser in which it's about a five-minute rank uh, a rant on the seven-minute presser. The last question, he doesn't rant anymore. But it's pretty entertaining. And here is, if you just want to know quickly about what, what are the things that you can do wrong in the game of football, Coach? Yes, everything. Lack of fight, lack of focus, lack of effort, lack of coaching, lack of execution, lack of playing. Everything. Lack of lack of fan support, lack of lack of it all. There you go. <laughs> that's that's what can go wrong in a football game. That, that's good. and it was like it was like, it was seriously it was like that for five minutes and, and and plus the media was so funny you could tell they wanted to keep the rant going because they knew it would go viral but they weren't very good at it so they just kept asking the same question over could you feel that no I couldn't feel that it's just so funny and it was repeating the question over and over again about how he could have stopped it I tried it and it was oh it was great it was it was very good uh, sound credits today. Uh, we got that. T- I don't have any idea where I found. It. I just found it on YouTube. That's Eleven Alive. Oh, thank you, thank you. I think oh. it's the Fox affiliate in Atlanta. Well done by you. Well done by you. Thank you. So Eleven Alive. Thank you for Eleven Alive. Okay, thank you that we just stole your sound. But who came up with that marketing slogan? Eleven Alive. I mean, does that really make you want to watch? <laughs> Hey, they're alive. Hey, people in Atlanta are just happy to be alive when they uh, go to bed at night. No, because of the traffic issues and uh, and, uh, and the crime in that city. I, I guess I could. All of the above. Yeah, I, I guess I could. I guess I could. Speaking of traffic, there was a ladder in the way on my way into work today. I don't know if anybody picked it up, but I-10 eastbound uh, a little bit west of the 101. Man, I can't believe I didn't hit it. Can I? That was grace of God I didn't hit it because all of a sudden – Everybody starts breaking in front of me. 
And then I look over in my left-hand mirror and see there's nobody beside me. So I, well, I'm not going to hit this guy in the butt. I just move over. And as I move over, the ladder is right in between my lane and the lane I'm going to. And luckily, I got into my lane, I mean, just boom, a split second uh, uh, after I would have hit the ladder. I got into the lane beside me. And I, then I look over on the right, and there's two guys with flat tires that are over on the berm where clearly they hit this thing. And I'm like, woo! Good morning. So there's my traffic story for uh, for the day. And I wasn't even driving like Doug Speed either. I couldn't. That one was scary, especially when I found out from my insurance agent. If anything flies around the road and hits you, it's completely the person's fault that 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 had it, and therefore the insurance doesn't charge you on the claim. But if you hit something on the road that's stationary, it's your fault because it means if you would have stayed further back, you would have seen it. I, I listen when I, when you drive in the middle of the night like I do. Now you're uh, you, you're telling me every road has, is properly lit, so I'm going to see everything on the road. I can tell you it's not, so that scared me. And then when you almost hit a ladder, oh my gosh, that freaked me out. Uh, okay, sound credits today. We got Jed Fish from the Arizona Wildcats uh, YouTube channel. We got uh, head coach Kenny Dillingham from Sun Devil Sources YouTube page as they traveled to Utah. We got Jed. Oh, I already said Jed. Uh, we got that Kevin Durant from AZ Family's um, uh, signal, and we got the Jonathan Gannon from AZCardinals.com. And I think that's it. Can you think of anything, Jeff? Weir production? I cannot, but I miss. Uh, I did the uh, Phoenix Suns, the KD. I credited the wrong person on oh. that one, so that's my fault. Oh, that's okay. Oh, and then uh, we got uh, Dobbs from the uh, Vikings YouTube channel, I believe. Um, I think that's it. And what'd you do this weekend? Anything thrilling? Uh, well, we had the football game on Friday night, the last Chaparral home game. It was senior night. Oh, that's nice. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and I can't even remember who won. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think Shap won. Wow. Yeah. I know they've struggled this year. Yep. That's and nice. then watch the race on Sunday. So, if anybody's wondering, uh, Chaparral they were they were okay last year, and then they've they've really had a hard time this year. And I'm trying to think of what's different about this year. Oh, it must be Joe Bequino. <laughs> Joe, you didn't bring the wins this year. You didn't bring the wins, Joe. I, I don't know what happened, Joe. All I know is you didn't bring the wins. Pressure on you uh, uh, for next year. All right, I think we've uh, covered everything. Let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's Big One this morning is I just have a simple question. What did you think tanking looks like? I mean, oh my gosh. Cleveland Browns destroy the Arizona Cardinals 27 to nothing. Three turnovers to none in the turnover battle. Total yards 326 to 58. 58 total yards for the Arizona Cardinals. And then you might not know this. Sacks in college football and in the NFL are a completely different stat. You decide which way is the right way to do it. College football says it's not a pass until you throw it. If you haven't thrown it, it's not a pass. Therefore, they count sacks off of your rushing yardage. That sounds a little weird. But since you haven't thrown the ball yet, you're a rusher. So when you get sacked, you lose rushing yards. In the NFL... They say, we're pretty smart. We can figure out that you are dropping back to pass, and therefore, when you get sacked, that should come off your passing yardage. 
Okay. Well, Clayton Toon, when he gets sacked, he doesn't lose passing yardage. So he gets his whole 58 yards. Congratulations. So he had 58 yards passing in this game. Now, when you take the sacks away from the team passing total, it ends up that the Arizona Cardinals passed for 17 yards in this game. 17 yards. Now, the reason why I say, what did you think tanking looks like? Let me be very clear. Doug's big one, I totally support the trade of Joshua Dobbs. You only were you only traded for him to get you through to the Kyler injury, and somebody at the trade deadline gave you an offer that was worth it for you to move him. I get it. But make no mistake, you only make that trade if you're tanking. And I'm sure the Arizona Cardinals will blatantly lie to you if that question was asked. If somebody had the courage to ask the question to Jonathan Dobbs, or excuse me, to uh, Jonathan Gannon, are you guys tanking? Of course the answer is going to be no. But let's break that down for a second. Break down, break down, break down. If you are trading the quarterback that gives you the best chance to win, are you not showing that your next regular season game is not a priority? Are you not showing that 2024 is a bigger priority than one game in November at the Cleveland Browns? Now, I'm not ripping it. I, I totally support this. I think it's the right decision to have traded Dobbs. You got value for compared to what you uh, traded for him. It was a little higher what you gave up to get him but hey you got value used him for what you needed to use him for but you still that's still tanking if you don't think it's tanking then you've got to think of something worse okay let's say you disagree with me you say it's not tanking that means you believe somebody in that organization woke up last week and made the decision Clayton Toon is ready to start an NFL game on the road against one of the better defenses in the league and arguably against the best defensive line in the league. That's when you start a rookie quarterback against that team? I mean, anybody who's watched the Browns this year knows they can play defense, they just can't do a lot of other things. Think about the thought process you have to go through if you want to deny that that's tanking to trade Joshua Dobbs. Think about how bad the player evaluation group is with the Arizona Cardinals. If they actually thought that young man was ready and put in the best position to win a football game. I would not be make I would be against that decision even if the team would have played reasonably well. Because Cleveland Browns not easy against that defense and you start a rookie on the road for his first uh, no way. No way is that going to go well. But then when you look at the result and you see how inept that offense was behind Clayton Toon, was it all Clayton Toon's fault? You know, I probably not. The thing is that I don't know is every quarterback is given a play that sometimes is, is not going to work against that defense. It's his job to check out of a bad play. And maybe they didn't even think he was ready to do that. Maybe they didn't give him two plays in the huddle. They didn't even think he was ready to check out a bad plays. That means you're even further behind the eight ball, which makes it even a worse decision 
to trade Joshua Dobbs if 2023 was a priority. There is no earthly way you can justify trading Dobbs and claim that 2023 is a priority. Again, I'm okay with it. I totally support the decision to worry about 2024. But make no mistake, quit, quit hiding from that word. This team is terrible. This team is tanking. I still blame Michael Bidwell and Steve Keim for how bad this team is. It's going to take a long time. It's going to take a long time for Monty Austin for it to be able to rebuild this thing. Having said that, we do have to look at Drew Petzing for a second. The offensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals. I, I, I do like the guy. I, I've never met him, but just watching him in pressers, I like him. Yet, how is it that your offense was reasonably inept under Joshua Dobbs and Dobbs could come in, gave up a bad safety. If you didn't see the Vikings game yesterday, he is the backup quarterback. Kirk Cousins is number one. This Jaron Hill kid is number two. They trade for Josh Dobbs. He's now the backup. Hill gets hurt in the second series right before the end of the first quarter. Dobbs plays the entire last three quarters. First series that he gets in, he gets sacked in the end zone for a safety. Not good, right? Not good. Vikings losing 5-3. to three. But he leads the team back and with 22 seconds left, throws his second touchdown pass of the second half. He had two touchdown drives and a field goal drive in the second half. They come back, they beat Atlanta. Now, how is it, while taking zero practice snaps during the week, not knowing the first names of most of his teammates, saying that he really knew none of their last names unless he saw the back of their jersey and doesn't even know the names of their coaches. And he was able to lead them back to victory. I mean, just either the game of football is 400 times easier than we've ever been told or Drew Petzing has a lot of things to answer for. Now, Jonathan Gannon's not going to admit that. And I have, you know, I've looked at Petzing and said, listen, I think your guards are terrible. DJ Humphreys had his worst game. Granted, it was against Miles Garrett and the Browns, but DJ Humphreys was not was not acceptable as a as a left tackle yesterday. He played so poorly that you had to end up chipping. You had to end up offering help. You had to help DJ Humphreys, and when you have to help him, that left everybody else one-on-one, and the Browns could exploit that like crazy. And DJ Humphreys is supposed to be the main guy on that offensive line, and he was far from it. Now, you could argue, Doug, Miles Garrett is that good. Miles Garrett might be a Hall of Famer. You know, it's okay to struggle against a potential Hall of Famer. I get that, but DJ Humphreys is supposedly, supposedly good, like higher than above average. And I don't know about you, I haven't seen that from him this year. I thought he's been okay, and I thought in this game he was bad. But that can, you can't say that guy is strong enough to be your 2024 starting left tackle unless you can make massive changes to the middle three, your guards and center. Uh, Froholt's been below average, but not terrible. The guards have just been downright shameful so far this year. So uh, you're looking at DJ Humphreys. Gosh, is that a huge need? Either a left tackle or a right tackle, and you still need two guards. And then maybe you can get away with him. You desperately need another corner. Really, you need two corners, in my opinion. You could really use a stud middle linebacker. And 
I, I still think you need another receiver. Now, receiver to me is the last priority, unless we're talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. That, that would not be a bad pick at number one overall, but with the, how heavy the quarterback draft is, if you believe Kyler Murray is the 2024 starting quarterback, I think you'll get great value for that number one pick. I think a lot of people are going to be interested in trading up and taking that number one pick from you. So we'll see. But Doug's big one today, I just, I just have to laugh at the idea that anybody is trying to argue the Cardinals are not tanking because you do not trade Joshua Dobbs unless you're tanking. But I accept it, and I agree with it totally. (laughs) The alternative, somebody in that organization truly thought Clayton Toon was ready to win a football game. (laughs) Which, Which point is more laughable? But you decide which of those two points is more laughable. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, give us your opening statement on on what you saw from the sidelines on a 58-yard day matching teams from the 50s for the St. Louis – no, for the Chicago Cardinals. With a leg. Uh, Will went out with a leg. Zayvon, I think, uh, hit his head, but he was clear to come back in. So – Obviously, when you get beat like that, um, I didn't know good enough job of getting the team prepped for the for the game, and that falls solely on me. And we got to do a better job. So um, give Cleveland credit, but you know you, you lose the takeaway battle, you you lose the explosive play battle. Um, you know we get outscored by however many yards we got outscored by. You're not going to win. So it's a good football team, but we didn't play uh, well enough in any phase today to win the game. I do love uh, the way he blames himself for everything. I I do. And it is your job to get the team ready to play. So I appreciate that he puts it on himself. But you're asking a team that is far less talented to win NFL games. That's that's a problem. Now, there's there's another thing here, though. Deshaun Watson in this game, 19 of 30 for 219 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Not legendary numbers, but no interceptions. I look at that, and even though for the first time, I'm, uh, I shouldn't say the first time, the last two or three weeks, I've, I've started to look at Drew Petzing with a little bit of a squirrely eye. But Nick Rollis, uh, you're not stopping weaker teams. Now, this is hard. When, you're, when your offense is three and out consistently or just flat out turning the ball over, and your offense is performing at a 1950s pace, it ain't easy to play defense. It is not easy to play defense. And there's a lot of issues on this team defensively. A lot of issues. Especially some of the red zone issues defensively. The lack of communication or knowledge of the defense or being able to realize what everybody else is doing. There's, I thought, I thought those problems were going to be fixed once Buddha got back. And... They were not in this game against the Browns. So there is a ton to clean up. But right now, everybody looks terrible. I'm still backing this coaching staff totally because I believe Michael Bidwell and Steve Keim are totally to blame for this. Doesn't mean the coaches can't do better. Doesn't mean the players can't do better. But when you have a general manager that is as unfocused as Steve Kime was the last couple of years and so much more worried about everything else that he wanted to do with his life and not worried about his actual job, and then an owner 
that made excuses for him and allowed him to stay on. Uh, and then is demoting people like Terry McDonough while keeping people like Steve Kime, you could see this was not an organization that wants to win. And you look at ownership when it was just simply Mr. B versus Michael, we're getting to the point now where Michael has almost lost more games in a small, I shouldn't say lost more games, has a worse winning percentage than they did under Mr. B. I mean, where's the cons- the only consistency is that you'll get one year of winning for every three to four years of losing. So I look at Michael's decision-making and Steve's decision-making that put this team as gutted. And now Monty Asenfort and Jonathan Gannon are left trying to pick up the pieces. And it's, it's not going to get better anytime soon. And when you make a team like the Browns look like a Super Bowl champion, that lets you know just how ugly uh, this thing is. Cardinals, what's next? At home against the Atlanta Falcons. This week is pretty interesting. You don't have to play Kyler Murray, but you must activate Kyler Murray or he's out for the rest of the year. The way the pup list works is once you move him off the pup list, he's got three weeks to join the active roster. So you get three weeks to look at him. It would it's it interests me if you moved him off the pup list too early. You are allowed to keep him on the pup list longer. So to if he doesn't play this weekend, uh, I think that's I think that shows a, a terrible mistake by the Cardinals. The reason why I say that is this. The way the pup list works is there's a window of time you're allowed to activate a player off the pup list. Once you open up that window, he, he, he doesn't sit on your 53-man roster, but he's still on pup, but he's now an active participant in practice. Then once he steps on the practice field for the first time, you have three weeks to where he counts on the active roster, or you have two choices. Cut him. Yeah, that, that is that that is a choice. Or he goes back on to the injured list and he's done for the year. Or back onto the this portion of the pup list, really, and he's done for the rest of the year. So the Cardinals, if they actually don't want to activate him, he's done for the year. So that's that to me is where you immediately start looking at the draft and a number one quarterback. If you do activate him because you don't want him out for the year and you're certainly not going to cut him, well, then you have to ask the question, is he going to play? Why would you activate him and not play him? You had to activate him, but that means you anticipated him being ready, let him practice, and you got that wrong. He wasn't even close to being ready. He couldn't get ready in a month. If he doesn't play this weekend, it means he couldn't get ready in a month. Either the Cardinals totally messed up on when they activated him from the pup list, or they didn't anticipate Kyler Murray's mentality. His mentality of everything in the world has to be aligned and right in order for me to play. And if I have any slight hesitation mentally, well, then it's just not right. It's not something I can power through. I can't do that for my teammates. I can't do that for my organization. I can't do that for my city. And I can't do that for the massive paycheck I'm receiving as the seventh highest paid quarterback in the NFL. So the guy that scrubbed his Instagram account, the guy that uh, from all Cardinals because he wanted to send a message, the guy that had his agent write the Murray Manifesto demanding a raise, and a guy 
that throws interceptions to the Rams in a playoff game from from the three-yard line because at Oklahoma, two is bigger than seven, so he didn't want to. I can't give up a safety, so I'll give up seven points. That guy now says, oh, I, I, I'm just not ready. That's if he doesn't play. It's really – I mean, this is a red. This is a should be a line in the sand. Jonathan Gannon is going to act like it's not a line in the sand, but this moment is a line in the sand because the if he does not play Sunday against Atlanta, it's somebody's fault. Somebody either missed in the organization when they activated him from the pup list and got it wrong that he couldn't get ready in three weeks, or they got it right and Kyler's not play, doesn't want to play. Which one is it? I have a sneaking suspicion. I, I, w- I was told by a friend who's not considered a source. The reason why I say that is he's not with the Cardinals, so it's not fair for me to use him as a source. But he's a knowledgeable dude. And he told me he doesn't think Kyler's going to play this Sunday. And I, I, w- I was flabbergasted by that news. Because that means there's a problem somewhere in the chain of command if he actually has been activated off the pup list and can't get himself ready in three weeks. He must be activated and put on the active roster this week. Doesn't mean he has to play. Now, when I say active roster, I mean he now counts on the 53. You've got to cut somebody in order to put Kyler on the 53. That doesn't mean he can't be labeled as an inactive this coming weekend. He can be labeled as an inactive. That's two different things. You only, I think it's 48. Uh, no, I think it's 45. I'd have 46. Let's go with 46. I think you have a 46-man game day roster, but a 53-man uh, daily roster. So he's got to be put on the 53, but that doesn't mean he has to be activated on game day. That's a big deal to uh, to be watching that. So Cardinals stink like crazy. They still have the number one pick, even though Carolina did lose. Uh do you mind if I bounce around the NFL for a second? I told you about the incredible play of the Vikings. Speaking of the Panthers, this matters. Okay, the Panthers and Cardinals are battling it out for the number one spot in the draft to see who in the tankathon. So who can be worse? Most people thought Houston was involved in this race as well to be one of the worst teams. This is crazy what's going on. So the Carolina Panthers have the number one pick. They take Bryce Young. They say, you're the guy. Even though it was never said, never officially reported, but so many people getting ready for the NFL draft did a breakdown, breakdown, breakdown of the quarterbacks Frank Reich has liked the most. And all the quarterbacks that he liked had C.J. Stroud's physical stature. So a ton of people believe that it was a it was an owner decision to go after Bryce Young instead of CJ Stroud that Frank Reich would have done better with CJ Stroud now the Panthers have only won one game Houston yesterday if there's any doubt what you got will you first of all give me the field goal if you could Jeff Weir production yesterday the Houston Texans lost their kicker now when you see what the score is at the moment uh, that this happens, they put in their running back to kick a field goal. Here you go. 29-yard total leather. The ball is airborne. It is good. And Dare Ogunbowale just Ogunbowale a 29-yard <laughs> field goal. My goodness, the crowd erupts. Don't blame them. 
33-30. Texans retake the lead. It was right down the middle. It didn't go very far, but the defense. So, number one, I'm sure that this will get me in a lot of trouble and a lot of people will be mad about this. He's probably a legend, but Texans fans, if you'd like a play-by-play guy, I'm here for you. Um, Ogun Bawale is the running back, and he breaks the tie, kicking a field goal to give the Texans the lead. Well, then after he kicks, the running back of all people kicks the field goal. Tampa Bay goes down the field. Yeah, Tampa Bay goes down the field. Not that drive, but one drive later. They score a touchdown with 46 seconds remaining. So now the Texans are down with 46. They're down 37-33. 46 seconds left in the game. And C.J. Stroud completes this pass to Tank Dell to get them into firing range, and then look how tight the window is for this touchdown pass. Over the corner's head, right before the sideline, one foot dragged the toe, and now you're deep into the red zone. Oh my gosh, right in between two defenders to Dell, and now they win the game with, <laughs> with six seconds remaining. How does Carolina feel today? I mean, the Texans are four and the Texans are four and four on the season. And they've got that guy as their quarterback. While Bryce Young in his game against the Colts threw three interceptions. Two of them were pick sixes. Yes, two of them were pick sixes yesterday. I mean, this is it is so crazy if you're wondering. Gardner Minshew for the Colts threw one touchdown pass to his team. And Bryce Young threw two touchdown passes to Gardner Minshew's team. That's how bad it was in the Colts' victory. Thanks, the MVP of the Colts game was the Panthers quarterback. So now, when you look at the standings in the NFL, if you don't mind me cheating, it, it isn't good if you're a Cardinals fan because of how well C.J. Stroud is doing for where Houston sits. They're 4-4 four and four right now. They're two games out of the division. Jacksonville's played really, really well this year. And playoff-wise, the, the playoffs start – wow, that's tough. That's a t- AFC's crazy. The Bengals at 5-3. and three are the last playoff team right now. And the Jets play tonight on Monday Night Football. So if the Jets win, they're at 5-3, and three, tied with the Bengals and uh, Steelers and Browns. Bengals, Steelers, Browns are all tied from uh, for 5-6-7 in the playoffs. And Jets can join that tie with a win. So Houston's at 4-4. Four and four. They're probably going to be drafting – I would bet as late as 16, 15, 16. So everybody thought the Cardinals might get two top five picks, but C.J. Stroud is playing so well that it doesn't look like it. The Texans would have to go on a massive collapse for that draft pick to be as good. It's still going to be a nice first-round pick and all, but wow. The gap between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud is absolutely enormous right now. That does it for – the uh, the NFL. How about a running back kicking the field goal in a tie game? Eight and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. 
That's a fantastic story right there. You combine that with Dobbs leading the comeback. It was a great weekend in, uh, in the NFL. All right, coming up next. One team almost embarrassed itself as bad as the Cardinals, did a little better than the Cardinals. The other team is magical, but U of A fans, pay very close attention to what you're about to hear from Jed Fish because you need to know something. And I'll tell you next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Yes, everything. Lack of fight, lack of focus, lack of effort, lack of coaching, lack of execution, lack of playing. Everything. Lack of lack of fan support, lack of lack of it all. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker & Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 602-2-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Just a quick note about what I was talking about before. I cheated and looked it up because I wanted to know. Uh, the Texans right now have the right now have the 16th pick in the first round of the 2024 draft, so that would go to Arizona. But here's what I forgot: in order to draft Bryce Young, I forgot that Carolina traded with Chicago. So right now, Carolina at one and seven, they hold the second pick. And if they keep losing, their schedule is easier than the Cardinals. So they would actually flip-flop. If they end in a tie, if both teams win only one game this year, Carolina would get the number one pick, but that's been traded to Chicago. And right now, sorry, Izzy, the Bears are so bad, the Bears have the number three pick. So according to the rankings right now, it goes Cardinals, Bears, Bears. The Bears have picks two and three because of that great trade with Carolina. And they might be making the decision that they're done with Justin Fields. So there's, there's a lot to fight for at the bottom of the standings. If you care, right now it goes Arizona, Bears, Bears, Giants, Patriots, Rams, Green Bay, and now Tampa Bay's at eight. Tampa Bay has the eighth pick in the draft, and if they would have held on to get that win, they'd be four and four and right there fighting it out for a playoff spot. 
because the AFC or the uh, NFC South is so bad. Denver and Tennessee round out the top ten picks uh, in the draft as of now. Obviously, that changes every weekend and really every day uh, that there's a, that there's a game. Let's get to college football. Let's start with U of A. Five straight games against a ranked opponent. Three straight wins against a ranked opponent. It was it's incredible how much better they've played. You hate to say it, but since the Jaden Delora injury and that defense, listen, we you can mock UCLA all you want, but that's not an offense that only puts up 10 points a game. U of A dominated UCLA defensively. Here's Jed Fish to uh, start off his press conference. Bowling. So that's a great way to start this thing off. And, uh, we're excited about that. We're excited about getting to that spot. Uh, six wins is a big deal. And for us to get there um, nine games into the season, really excited about that. Uh, I thought um, we played a really good football team tonight, and we played really good. And when that happens, uh, good, things, good things go your way. And uh, I thought it really our guys were ready to play all week. They were excited. They've been excited. Our defense played fantastic. I mean, 10 points. Our offense had 430 yards and five for five in the red zone and 11 of 16 in third down and 300 yards passing and 140 yards rushing and, or 130 yards rushing. Just a really an overall fantastic game. I thought the two missed field goals early, the block field goal and then put pressure on the other field goal uh, really were big time plays. Uh, unfortunately, we let up that one touchdown at the end of the half. Otherwise, uh, it was as good of a game as I've uh, been a part of here. I've said that now a few weeks in a row, and uh, I think that's what makes it cool, you know, that we could keep saying we're getting better. We're getting better. We're not, we're not content with where we are. Our goal is to be better next Saturday at 12 o'clock in Boulder than we were uh, tonight at 745, but uh, we will enjoy this one, our team enjoying it right now. And then, uh, as I said, then we get back to work, and the best thing about this is we get to do it again next week. Twenty twenty one, and I know a lot of you U of A fans know this, but twenty twenty one, one and eleven, one and eleven, and most importantly, a loss to NAU, a loss to NAU. Last year, five and seven, and a three point win over ASU. This year, six and three. Not only going bowling, but then when you look at the rest of the U of A schedule, you know I'm not putting them in the race to go to a conference championship game or anything, but with the way Colorado's falling apart, they can win that game. Uh, I don't really like to pick them against Utah. I think Utah's going to be a little too tough, but hey, you're going to be looking at a game that's probably the 13th best team in the country against the 20th best team in the country. So it's not out of the question at all that you beat Utah and it would take a miracle for ASU to pull off the upset. So sitting finishing the season with a 9 and 3 record is not insane at all for for them. I kind of think it's going to be more I think you lose to Utah, but I definitely think you're beating Colorado and I definitely think you're beating uh U of A. 
Take us through Jed Fish being one and eleven and now being a bowl team at six and three. A long and uh, hard work and uh, unbelievable amounts of commitment from our coaches and players. Um, our coaches, uh, the the staff we hired, I knew they were coming here to rebuild a program. We didn't hire them in a spot where they felt like they were just going to walk in the door and we were just going to go win. And, um, you know, it takes a lot of people that want to do that and leave their jobs to do that. They all, um, a lot of the guys we hired were in winning programs when we hired them and they chose to uh, trust us and trust uh, what we were going to get done here. And um, then we went and recruited a bunch of great players when we were 1-11. and 11. And uh, to get that class of 22 to come here, and I'll continue to brag on that class for forever. Uh, when you see all those guys, I mean, I think 15 of them are starting right now or 14 of them from that recruiting class alone, and they're only redshirt freshmen or sophomores. And um, that class just believed, and they believed in what we were trying to preach. And then the transfers coming in that really gave us, you know, first of all, that gave us that glimmer of hope a year ago that we were going to start being able to do this. Uh, and this game a year ago was a huge game for this program when we beat them in the Rose Bowl, uh, you know, when we played them there uh, week, whatever, 10 or 9. And uh, I just think that it's been a crazy process of um, knowing that it was going to be long and hard and uh, really proud that our guys are where they are right now. This is one of the better turnarounds in college football history. Now, nothing if you don't know your college football history, nothing is K-State. No one will ever match the turnaround at Kansas State. You're talking about 30 years or so of just some of the most inept and ridiculous scores you've ever seen until Bill Snyder took over and created a program from nothing. That's forever going to be the greatest turnaround in the history of college football. But to go from... Kevin Sumlin just cashing a paycheck and not caring at all to this guy walking in, he even called it week zero or uh, uh, year zero. He didn't even call his first year at U of A year one. He said, that's year zero. The program was so bad, it's year zero. And then the scores proved that. One and 11 with a loss to Ed AU. And you turn around and you go five and seven and just miss out on going to a bowl game last year. And the key to going to a bowl game, especially now when some of your upper echelon kids opt out of the bowl game, is the practice time you get to be able to spend a whole month with your team practicing, sometimes longer, to prepare for a game that you really don't care much about. It's all about getting more reps, teaching the offense more, having a whole year's worth of data on kids, and then being able to back off and say, this is where you could have been better. And plus, your young players get a ton of practice time during bowl season. A ton of practice time. So everybody in the whole team gets better. U of A didn't get that last year. And yet they still turn around. They go, as of now, sitting at 6-3. and three, And in my opinion, poised to go at least 8-4 and four, and maybe even better. Now you're just upping the ante of what bowl game that you get to. Now, barring a miracle, a bunch of teams lose in the Pac-12 and, and screw around a little bit, and you're able to push yourself into the championship game. Again, there are so many crazy scenarios that have to happen for that. It's even ridiculous to talk about. 
But this turnaround is amazing, and I'll get to my point on how this should scare the crap out of you if you're U of A in just a second. I like this question. You uh, Here's their schedule. Number seven, Washington lost by a touchdown. Number nine, USC lost in triple overtime by two because that was when you're forced to go for two, and USC got theirs. U of A did not get theirs. Washington State was 19 in the country at the time. We didn't know how fast they were going to fall apart, but they beat Washington State. Then they beat Oregon State by a field goal, beat UCLA by 17 in sheer domination, 27 to 10. Now you're taking on Colorado, who was once ranked coach. Should the Wildcats be considered one of the top 25 teams in the country? Yes, I think we should be ranked. I really do. I think we've uh, we've earned that right. Um, you know, we're you know 16 points is the is our entire. Uh, margin of defeat this season and um you take that um you know you have two overtime games both of which were on the road and um a home loss against the number five team in the country by a touchdown um when we were at a bunch of new starters for that first game i think that our team has proven that they deserve to be in that conversation and uh hopefully uh tomorrow we'll find out if we are and if we're not we'll just have to go to work and try to win the next one I like the attitude, the courage to say, yeah, we should. Boom. There it is in your face. And if we're not, so what? We're going to keep working anyway. It's not going to matter. Uh, it's exactly how he should he should handle that. At Colorado, home against Utah, and then coming up here to Tempe. Uh, I like this question. It was explain Fafita's interception and then his comeback from it to have three touchdown passes. The reason why I like this is, is we got a little bit of a breakdown about the uh, INT, but Jed Fish then goes into his conversation with Noah Fafita about it. Yeah, it was zone coverage, and, you know, he wound up uh, reading it wrong, and he just kind of came back off the field. He said, did I miss him high? And I said, you know, we just we, we just misread the play. The play should have gone to somebody else. And um, But he was very quickly, you know, he snapped right back. Um I think Jaden said to him real quick, hey, those are the times you want to look for your running back. You know, if you saw it with zone, you know, you could, you know, hitch, live another day. And then uh, we kind of all just reset. And we just said we go to the next play. And uh, he's reset and uh, wound up making some great decisions the rest of the game. Uh, made some spectacular throws. I mean, the throw to Tanner down the seam on third down was ridiculous. The catch that T-Mac made, um, on the third down early in the game was fantastic. And then obviously the throw that Noah made um, in the end zone off to T-Mac that got overturned was just the ball was put in the only place the ball could have gone for that catch. And uh, then T was able to come down with it. Yeah, if you didn't see the catch, impressive. Originally ruled incomplete, overturned on review. It was so bang-bang that the referee missed it because he was watching the hands and then came down to watch the feet. And that may, I mean, that is the mechanic. You watch the hands first, wait till you see if he secured it, and now you look down and to see if he gets a foot in bounds. And to the ref, after he secured it, the next foot landed out of bounds. It's incomplete. When you watch it on replay – securing the catch happened sooner than the referee realized and the foot was still down in the uh, in the field of play. That should have been a touchdown at first. It wasn't overturned. Now you got a touchdown on a fantastic pass. It's The interesting part, though, of that commentary is Jaden Delora talking to Fafita about the interception. 
and about what needs to be done. That says a lot about Jaden Delora. I, you got to give credit to the head coach in how he's handled the quarterback situation, just really downplayed it all along when it, there's, there's nothing more clear that the Fafita is the starting quarterback. Now, that makes you feel like this is going to go on for a while. When you've got a head coach in year three and a freshman quarterback, I, I'm going to tell you I don't think it's going to keep going. Do you want to know why? Here's Jed Fish after the game. That was the best environment that we've had since I've been the head coach here. Uh, that was, I, I, the crowd was great. They were into it. They stayed. They were fired up. The student section was awesome. Uh, I hope we don't have to beg for sellouts. I hope they just start happening now. And uh, what a great deal to get Gronk here. Uh, that was awesome. The Wildcat walk was by far the, I mean, it was incredible. The Wildcat walk this week. Our, our kids embraced it, and our kids loved it. And I um, appreciate all of you guys staying until 1130 every weekend. Uh, hopefully we can get an earlier game in two weeks. We'll know on Monday. But um, other than that, we're just going to keep grinding, keep working, and uh, keep filling the stadium up. So thanks. I appreciate it. Two ways to look at that. You decide how you look at it, Okay. First way to look at that is to say he's overwhelmingly impressed with the crowd. Isn't that great? Nothing wrong with you thinking that way. That's a positive way to look at that. But he threw in there that little comment that said, hopefully we don't have to beg for sellouts anymore. How many of you are U of A fans in Maricopa County and how often do you go down to games and do you have season tickets? I'll tell you this forever. In professional sports, it's the job of the pro teams to put a product on the field that's worth the price of admission, and it's the job of the pro teams to market themselves to you, the fan base, to market not only their game, but also their product, so you see value in it and you go. College, whether this is fair or not, operates under a different set of rules. You don't have any other system of business in the world that is a multi-billion dollar business in which about 88% of all branches of your business lose thousands of dollars, sometimes millions of dollars. The non-revenue sports lose money like crazy. The revenue-generating sports, due to the NCAA basketball tournament and the college football playoff and the, co- and the television contracts, make a killing. But a lot of that money goes to pay for the other sports. So because of that, you need a fan base that supports you no matter what that's out there so much earlier that spends money, that goes to games. And U of A, obviously, when it comes to football, hasn't been like that in its history. And don't tell me about the desert swarm and how great it was in those days. Listen, you can look at attendance numbers. So when he throws that little caveat out there, hopefully we don't have to beg for sellouts. It's interesting to see. He's only got one more home game left, okay? Home game against Utah. I'm assuming that'll come close to a sellout or it will sell out. But here's why I bring up this point. This number will shock you. I mean, when I... When I did the math on this, it was crazy. Uh, Jeff Weir Production, have you ever heard of a, of a program called Texas A&M? Uh, yes, I have. Would you say they have a decent fan base? 
I don't know much about their fan base, but I would say yes. Okay, okay. Texas A&M routinely sells out a 100,000-seat stadium, and I have I admit I have never been to a Texas A&M home game, but I was at the game in Houston, not too far from College Station, when Texas A&M took on ASU. It was a madhouse of people, and they're into the game every second of the game. All right? Here's why I bring this up. Take a wild guess, Jeff Weir Production, and I know you're not going to get this right, but it's why I'm asking. Texas A&M, SEC. Name the last time Texas A&M won a road game in the conference. In the SEC? Yeah. Like right now, it's November 6th. You think it was a month ago? I think it was six weeks ago. When do you think it was? Um, it would have to be this year, I would think. Okay. It's been 108 weeks. Interesting. In case, in case you're wondering, there's 52 weeks in a year. They haven't won a road game in the conference in 2023. They haven't won a road game in the conference in 2022. And two weeks before Halloween in 2021, they won at Missouri. And no one even counts Missouri as an SEC team anyway. <laughs> even though now that Missouri's top 20, well, all of a sudden the SEC says, oh, look, we got Missouri, when they never really cared about having Missouri before. That's the last time Texas A&M won a conference road game. With Texas coming into the SEC, who thinks Texas A&M is going to give Jed Fish, or excuse me, going to give uh, Jimbo Fisher another chance? I don't. I think Jimbo Fisher is fired at the end of this year. Maybe they decide, you know what? We don't want to rebuild in the first year Texas is in the conference. Let's give the guy one more year. Maybe. I don't think so. I think Jimbo Fisher's out. Now, look across the college landscape and tell me, and and I'm being totally serious, even if you're an ASU fan, in an unbiased way, who is doing the best job in college football this year. I, I, I again think about think about how blank it's going. Maybe you dub. By the way, college football playoff committee, can you explain to me why you think Oregon is so good? And yet Washington beat Oregon and Oregon's not number one. <laughs> I mean, I've never really bought into the East Coast bias thing. But when you look at Ohio State barely beating people, I get they're undefeated and I get the teams that are on their schedule are pretty good. But if Oregon is so good and their only loss is to UW, then doesn't that mean UW is pretty good? Wouldn't that put – just call me crazy. But anyway, when you look up and down, who has done the best job? Mike Norvell built a program from scratch. Florida State was dead. And he even had some missteps along the way. So the last, but here's the thing about Mike Norvell. Guess where the last coach that Texas A&M got was hired from? Jimbo Fisher was at Florida State. Somehow the the alumni is going to go. No, we're not, we're not going back there. We're not going back to that. And then maybe Mike Gundy. You're not going to get Mike Gundy. He doesn't want he doesn't want to do that. Um, that's probably it. Is Kirby there, Smart's doing pretty damn good, but who? he's not leaving Georgia. What'd you say? Oh, yeah. Kirby oh, yeah, Smart. Yeah. No, that was, I mean, 
We're th- th- those are the pinnacle guys. Why would you step down to Texas? You're A&M? talking about potential hirings. You're right. Who's okay. ste- who's stepping up? But, but it, no, you're exactly right. It's it's a great point. Um, maybe it is drink water. Uh, maybe you do look at Missouri as well. Uh, but to me, or obviously, they could always go after Lane Kiffin. You always wonder, is Ole Miss really ready to keep spending the money to keep a Lane Kiffin, especially with the amount of money that Texas A&M could throw at him? Those are a couple names. But to me, I'll, I'll again say it. Jed Fish is so far and away to me doing the best job in college football considering where they were and where they are. At least with a Mike Norvell, you can stoke the flames a little bit and get people right back there. I mean, Florida State was dying, but at least it once lived. You're not resuscitating a program at U of A. You didn't have one. And now Jed Fish is bowling and a chance to legitimately be 8-4, and four, possibly be 9-3 and three on the season? I, and he's, he's asking, hopefully, think about that. He's 6-3, and three and he ends a press conference by saying, hopefully we don't have to beg for sellouts anymore. I, and now, here's where it gets really ugly if you're a U of A fan. I'm not, I'm not saying this stuff to piss you off. I promise you that. But I'm saying, if you're not going to games, you're not supporting the program, guess what happens? They go to bigger programs. Noah Fafita is a freshman. If I'm Jed Fish and I take the Texas A&M job, guess who's coming with me? Ha! I mean, of course, you're taking your quarterback with you. I just think it's something. Do not be shocked. Don't be mad at me. This is the way of the world. You build up a program that you don't get a lot of support at, you immediately jump to a program that's going to offer you big bucks. If I am U of A, just like ASU just signed their, I don't know if you saw the story, ASU got a contract extension done with their defensive coordinator. Why? Guess what USC just did over the weekend? USC fired their defensive coordinator. I guarantee you they wanted ASU's DC. I guarantee you of that. And ASU was smart to say, we're not letting this happen because our defense has been about the only thing that's been holding us together since the uh, San Jose State game. So we're going to make sure – was that – am I right about that? Was that San Jose State? Who was the team that they played at the beginning of the year that embarrassed them 29 to nothing? I think you're right. It's been so – got to cheat and look it up. It's been so long I can't remember. Uh, Fresno State. Fresno State. That's Bay Area State. (laughs) As soon as I said San Jose State, I I was thinking, well, wait a minute. That sounds right, but San Jose State's never good. Why, Why am I thinking that? Oh, yeah. So, sorry I had to cheat and look that up. For those of you that are Sun Devil fans that were yelling at, at your phone, Doc, what are you doing? It's Fresno State. Sorry that you had to relive that 29 nothing beatdown. Well, to be fair, Fresno State's never really any good either. They, you know, they were – baseball team is. Yeah, that's true. They were good in the uh, – at the beginning of the century, in the 90s. And when I say good, I don't mean – you know, like, like they were getting ranked – with uh with old Fitz as as the head coach they were they were pretty decent then um so that's it for my Jed Fish let's get into ASU now I bet you'd rather talk about the 29 nothing loss to a team I made up than what happened yesterday to Utah one for 16 on third down conversions they rushed for 43 yards and coach even said we start we started playing our fifth string quarterback in this game but 
Typical happiness. We didn't quit. Yeah, I mean, guys are, you know, frustrated, rightfully so, pissed off. Um, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, I don't think our guys quit. Uh, but, you know, not being able to really throw it, run it, or do anything offensively is, you know, it's tough. It's hard, it's hard to continue, to be honest, to continue to get up and go when you can't block them. You know, the simplest piece. So, uh, but I think the guys are going to continue to fight, which they did tonight, and it doesn't mean the result was there. But uh, I don't think they quit. This was the first press conference where Kenny Dillingham was a beaten down man. First one to me. Now, let's be straight. It's hard to tell because he just sounds like a normal human being now. But when you compare Kenny being the type of guy that's, that's you know, over the wall, just to hear him be normal means that's how far – He's beaten down with the injuries and just how much that Ray Anderson and Herm Edwards destroyed this program and how long it's going to take to be able to to build it back up. And uh, he was asked, what did Utah do? And listen to how detailed this answer is because he basically says, he admits, we kind of get away with a lot of little things to be able to manufacture yards that's not really there. I think Utah didn't even play a standard defense. They just took away the little sneaky plays of ASU and forced them to play man on mano e mano football, and that didn't go well. Well, I think it's just a combination of you know we, you know we really couldn't do one thing offensively. You know, normally you can try to you know hey get the ball to the edge and run speed sweeps. But this is a good staff who wasn't going to let you run speed sweeps. They're bringing double edge pressure all night uh, in which you got to run pass pro and run full slide angle routes too. Or you have to run zone schemes at it and read an edge. And uh, then you still got to win your blocks. So, I mean, they knew what they were doing. They knew that they could take away our kind of free plays by just pressuring their field with field and boundary pressures with zone dogs and really make our guys, you know, win one-on-ones consistently. So credit to those guys, and I got to do a better job finding ways to do something. (laughs) Oh, I got to find a way to do something. So he talked about doing some zone reads, okay? Zone reads, it's called a hat on a hat, meaning a helmet, meaning if you're going left or you're going right, Everybody's slanted going this way to the left, so the guy that's kind of off to your left is your guy. The catch is you've got to be fast enough to get off your down position, get over to that guy, then flip the hips and be able to either create a gap or continue to let that defensive player go where he wants to go. Just help him get there faster than he wants to get there. So if the defensive guy is slanting to the right, you're going to let him go to the right even faster, and that's going to help create cutback lanes. Well, the problem with the zone read is you either need highly athletic guys or unbelievably strong guys. ASU doesn't have either. So if you run these plays, not only do you get manhandled, but – the crackback block or the lane on the cutback is your only option, but you don't have the athleticism to hit it. So he's kind of explaining, look, I know how to beat that defense. I know how to beat what they're doing. We couldn't block it. 
It doesn't matter what I know. We can't even block it. And then he got even more mundane when asked about some of the problems. This is a three-minute answer that I just cut out the last 41 seconds because he was explaining this guy's this, this guy's this, and he goes, wait a minute. Football comes down to blocking and tackling. And if you can't block them and you can't tackle them, nothing else matters. And we got to go back to work blocking and tackling. Uh, and I got to do a better job getting our guys better at blocking and tackling the guy in front of us because that's what this game was about. It wasn't about a special play. It wasn't about a trick. It was about them saying, tackle us, and them on defense saying, we're not going to just let you have free plays. By getting the ball to the edge, we're going to force the ball to be played in the box, and you're going to have to block us, and we got to be better, and i got to do a better job getting our, putting our players in better positions, better leverages and angles to block and tackle. I love that he's accepting the blame on that. I've got to do a better job putting our players in a position. Okay, okay. Your players that were brought in by Herm Edwards and the great system by Ray Anderson that we're going to change college football. We're going to change college football in which it'll be an NFL model in which Herm Edwards will be the coach, but there'll be a general manager, and then we'll have the players scouted, and we'll bring them in, and we'll recruit them, and he just has to close it. And all of that business that was supposed to be great, you combine that with cheating, and then when you cheat, everybody finds out that you might get hammered by the NCAA, so they don't want to come to your program until they find out what the sanctions are. And we still don't know the sanctions, in my opinion, because the NCAA is ridiculous, but also because ASU continually slow plays their own self-imposed sanctions. Uh, it, like Think about it. Every nine months, ASU either fires a new assistant coach or issues a scholarship limitation, or two years later throws out a bull ban. I mean, you know, whatever it is, it's just like this little trickle effect. It makes you believe they're still talking to the NCAA about, okay, can we lower this sanction if we do this? Can we lower this? Well, what if, what if we fire this guy? Uh, what if we pay this fine? You know, and it's almost like this big, long negotiation instead of just getting this thing over with and accepting the punishment a long time ago and fire the people that were all involved in it from Ray Anderson on down. It would have been a lot smarter a long time ago. But, uh, again, this is the failure of Dr. Crow in not understanding intercollegiate athletics. And the idea that Ray Anderson is still there shows you all you need to know about Dr. Crow's ability when it comes to intercollegiate athletics. So now we're still fight you're still fighting this battle. And what you've done that's really stupid by not finishing this investigation or pushing the NCAA along, you're now, you're now going to affect the 2024 recruiting class. People still don't know how many scholarships they get. I mean, this should have been done a year ago. Now, a lot of what I'm complaining about is the NCAA's fault, not ASU's fault. Get that straight. The NCAA is a joke, all right? That's not ASU's fault. But there are ways for you under Herm Edwards, that if you would have fired Herm Edwards because of the cheating scandal and Ray Anderson and cleaned house in the athletic department and taken a 2022 bowl ban, the NCAA would have said, okay, we're done here. You've done enough. Let's move on. And I think everything would have been finished. And now you have a clear-cut idea of what you've got coming in the future. You still don't know. It's just, 
the the level of ineptitude in the athletic department of Arizona State is absolutely stunning. And what's even scarier about it is a guy like Dr. Crow, who's one of the smartest people in Maricopa County, is too blind to see it. Actually thinks this whole thing is all an Antonio Pierce scheme and nobody knew what was going on. As if that's not the definition of failure to monitor and, in my opinion, lack of institutional control. That's where we are. But having said that, he, Kenny Dillingham is saying, you know, I've got to do a better job of teaching angles. All they do in practice is teach the angles. You've got to get here. It doesn't mean the player's good enough to do it. It does not mean the player's good enough to do it. They don't have the guys. Either they did and they're hurt or they never had them in the first place. And now you're down to playing a running back at quarterback. Man, the number one thing to me and the number one takeaway in that press conference of Kenny Dillingham is he sounded like a normal human being for the first time, that even he is getting beaten down. It'll be interesting to see how he sounds today when he looks at the injury report, tries to figure out who he's got, and I think they go to the Rose Bowl next. Do you mind if I cheat and look that up? Uh, ASU at UCLA Saturday at 7 o'clock. And that's a UCLA team that's going to be fired up about what U of A just did to them. Just like Utah was fired up about what Oregon just did to them. Look out. ASU is becoming the get-right game for anybody that takes on uh, Arizona State after what just happened to whatever they did wrong the week before. All right, coming up next, we've got... Sons to talk about. I still got some an NFL thing here or there. General thoughts on the weekend. Steve McCollum's going to join us. We got versus Vegas. Love to have you stay with me. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Burrito Express started with my father about. 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally, we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now it's big it's juicy it's meaty get your burrito at burrito express if you're having a hangover a bad day even a good day still get your burrito at burrito express it will make you feel better i'm probably going to go back and, and talk a little more football today because there's some great, great football action. I, I just love sitting on the couch and watching so many of uh, of the games that I did. I got a uh, an email. Thanks for listening. I got an email while I was talking there that said, "Hey, what what is a what is a zone dog?" You you said that uh, they heard Kenny Dillingham talking about zone dogs. There's there's a couple different dog blitzes that I know, zone dog and green dog, okay? Green dog is the easiest one to understand. It's basically, okay, you're going to bring in an extra guy to block, then I'm bringing an extra guy to rush. So let's say you're the, let's say you're the, uh, we'll say the, the will linebacker, which is the weak side linebacker, and your responsibility is the running back going out into the flat. 
So, therefore, the ball is snapped. You're watching the running back. Running back runs out into the flat. You go with him. So, that's your responsibility. But if the running back stays in for what's called pass pro to make it fast, but that stands for pass protection, if he stays in to block, well, then that Will Linebacker says, okay, fine. If you're going to stay in to block, well, then I'm going to rush. Because why should we let you protect your quarterback with six on our four if we're not blitzing we got four rushers so it's six on four well then i'm gonna rush to make it at least six on five so i was gonna stay back but fine since you've stayed back in the block then i'm actually gonna rush and try to put pressure on that's a green dog a zone dog is more of how you cover the fact that you're blitzing now it's a little different. Green dog simply means we're not changing how we're playing this. We're just sending an extra guy because you're keeping an extra guy. Zone dog, and there's all kinds of different zone dogs, uh, it, but it describes how we're going to cover behind our blitz. So you basically, like for an example, let's say I'm the defensive end, okay? I'm the defensive end. I'm going to act like I'm going to rush. Here I come. Here I come. You're really nervous. Here I come. I'm a good pass rusher. You're nervous. And this is a controversial thing because imagine if you get burnt and your best pass rusher isn't rushing the passer. Oh, my gosh, the media is going to go crazy. And, yes, I'm one of the people that have gone crazy in those situations. But I here I come. Here I come. And you've got a tackle and a tight end or a tackle and a running back that are, go, are all worried about me. I'm that good as a pass rusher, that you've got one and a half people ready to block me. So here I come, here I come, hut, and I don't come, and I drop out. And now I'm guarding an area of the field, so if the quarterback is scared of the blitz, I might be in the way of a hot route. So maybe a receiver is supposed to run down the field and run an out towards the bench, and instead both he and the quarterback read the blitz, so he runs a quick slant. And he's supposed to get the ball super fast. Well, now I'm not rushing. I dropped into that area where the quarterback's trying to throw the hot route. So a bad quarterback throws it anyway, and I can catch it or tip it. And a good quarterback now has to keep the ball down. But if you don't throw it, now here comes that blitz we were talking about. Well, the end that leaves and drops into coverage, the whole defensive line slants their rush this way. So if it's the left defensive end that's dropping out, then it's all of the pass rushers run to the left. They rush to the left. They're trying to collapse the pocket. They're trying to push the offensive linemen so all the offensive linemen end up going to their right, and it opens up the other side for a will linebacker or a strong safety to be able to come up in a zone dog. But once you pull that strong safety, you need somebody dropping back into that space, probably a middle linebacker. So now you're thinking the strong safety is worried about covering the tight end. He's come up. He's going to cover the tight end. Okay. So I'm thinking in my head, tight ends covered by the strong safety. Boom. Strong safety comes. Uh-oh. But the brain's saying that means the tight end is open. But the middle linebacker is now responsible to cover the tight end. And then that's where you get mismatches. If you can pick up that zone dog, now you have a tight end against a middle linebacker, which is a dream matchup. And then everybody flips out. Why would they have tried to cover the tight end with a middle linebacker? Well, you were trying a zone dog blitz, and it got picked up. So sometimes play calls work, sometimes they don't. 
Now, if you're continually asking people to do something that they can't do, now the problem's on you. But every now and then, if you see that a team has failed to be able to do that stuff, well, now you're good. Well, that's what Utah was doing. Utah was well, – I don't even think they zoned it behind it. To me, it looked like we know our, our our defensive backs are better than your receivers. To me, it looked like they just played man across the board a lot and still did zone dogs. And it was like, hey, we don't have to worry about dropping zone behind you. We'll just drop one person into an area where Trenton doesn't want to see them, and we'll bring everybody else. You can't block it. But they kept making pressure from the outside in to close in the little gaps – that ASU likes to run in. ASU likes to run at angles left and right, almost like you're running towards the chains, towards the bench, and slip in those little crevices and get four, five, six, seven yards of carry. That's what they want to do. So then once you react, that's how the middle of the field gets open. For Utah, Utah decided we're going to stop you from being able to run at those angles because we don't think you're strong enough or tough enough to run it up the middle on us or throw it over the middle on us. And they were right. So there, there's the answer to your, uh, to your question on that. Cardinals, or excuse me, Suns, a loser and a winner. They lost to the 76ers 112-100. to they allowed Embiid 26, Maxi 22, and Tobias Harris went for 18 and 10. And old Kelly Oubre had 25 points. So three guys in the 20s, one main guy not in the 20s with Tobias Harris, and he's at 18 and 10. Um, in watching that game, there was a scary realization as a Suns fan, and that is this Suns team without Beal and Booker in the lineup. They're okay. They're all right. There are 10 teams that make the playoffs. And the Suns, in my opinion, are one of the 10 best teams in the NBA without those guys. Do you mind, do you mind if I cheat and look up? I realize it's a little too early to be doing this, but let's actually look at the NBA standings and see where the Suns are playoff-wise right now. Uh, the Suns are, granted, it's crazy early, right? They they own the tiebreaker over Portland, Houston, and Sacramento. No, Portland uh, over just Portland. But uh, Houston and Sacramento haven't played as many games, so all four teams are three games back of Denver at number one. So they're only three games back. The problem is they're in a tie for 10th. So they're in a four-way tie right now for 10th place. And that would mean barely making the playoffs. You would go to San Antonio and have to beat the Spurs. And then you'd go to the loser of the Lakers-Oklahoma City game. I'm not honestly trying to talk to you playoff-wise on November 6th. But what I am explaining is where we are as a team. And it's not very good without those two. Now, it's so early. They're really struggling on defensive rotations. It looks to me that Nurkic doesn't know the defense well enough to be the communicator that they need. And I don't know how long that takes. Frank Vogel is supposedly a brilliant defensive mind. So I'm assuming the defense is a little complex. And with the defense being a little complex... Nurkic is taking a little while to be able to pick up on it. What's then crazy is now you're eventually going to try to get Booker and Beal into the lineup. And it looks like 
Booker, every time he plays, he makes it worse. Wasn't really all that healthy for the Golden State game. Played anyway. It got worse. Waited a while. Came back in and uh, and and led the team was before the San Antonio game and, and carried him for a little bit and then fell apart again. Now he's banged up. And I think that they're not even going to mess with it. I think Booker's going to be out for a little while longer in order to say, you know what, we're not playing you until you are 100%. Booker's the type of guy that wants to play at 50%, but he's making the injuries worse. I said at the beginning of the year, I think this team is the champions of the world if they're healthy, and I don't think they're going to be healthy. And that's not a, a prediction that I want to get right because it's it's starting to get a little silly. Now, they've only, in the grand scheme of things, seven games is, you know, is not that big of a deal. But I would say seven games translates – probably into two games of an NFL season. And right now, how would you feel if you thought, and I'm doing this for hyperbole here, if you thought at the beginning of the year the Cardinals were a playoff team? Okay, yeah, I know that's a joke. None of us did. But let's say in one of the years the Cardinals were good, you thought they were going to the playoffs, they start 0-2. How do you feel? Unless you're the Bengals that seem to start 0-2 every year and then run off a whole bunch of wins, you'd be a little concerned at 0-2. It's so hard to go from 0 and 2 to get yourself back up to like 3 and 2 or 4 and 3 something like that. That's really hard when you've already started with two losses. Right now that's where the Suns are. They've started an NFL season 0 and 2. You still have a ton of games left. But they they're not doing well. And they lost Saturday 112 to 100 when it had a lot to do with defense and free throw shooting is what kept them in the game. Sunday, they beat Detroit 120-106. to It feels like a blowout, but here's the difference. The Suns shot 26 of 29 from the free throw line. Detroit shot 12 of 14 from the free throw line. That gap in there has everything to do with why they won. And Kevin Durant had 41 points. Grayson Allen, he only shot 50%, but he kept attacking the rim and was drawing some fouls. And plus, Detroit Detroit was running them out of the gym early on. And for some silly reason, Detroit stopped the running game and mostly stopped playing defense that was feeding the running game. And then that's how the Suns were able to start getting control of the game, slow the game down, muck it up, and to be able to create a foul situation. And Detroit did not challenge the Suns very well defensively. A lot of one-on-one ball Uh, for the last, I would say, three quarters, maybe three quarters and five minutes of the first quarter. The the Pistons went into a lot of hero ball, and Monty Williams, for some reason, couldn't stop it. And that was really the difference. It was more of Monty Williams not quite yet having a handle on his team and his team not having the basketball IQ of how easy it is to beat the Suns. So I want to say... I want to give credit to the Suns because they were aggressive, they attacked the hole, they slowed the game down, they had good basketball IQ. But man, they're just a bunch of okay role players with Kevin Durant right now. If Beal and Booker and Durant are all in the lineup, Nurkic learns the defense, begins to take control and has better communication, I'll put them right up there with every team in the NBA that you think is a conference championship type caliber team. But that's a long time coming. I think they're going to need about a month to six weeks of consistent health to be able to truly compete for a championship. 
And when you're dealing with a Booker, Beal, and Durant that have a history of injuries, and Nurkic is not going to be the answer if these guys don't get healthy. I'm not spelling doom and gloom because I think they're going to get right. But let's not sugarcoat it. They're not a good team right now. Coming up from 8 to 10, it will – oh, and by the way, Izzy's back. So Izzy's feeling better. So iOS is back from 10 to noon. And right in between us is Steve McCollum, who's going to be on from 8 to 10. He joins us right now as he does every weekday morning to kind of go through his weekend. And uh, probably life was – <laughs> okay, I'll ask – the, the that that look of the clown face there I, I, is that what what did you see uh are, are, did you see like one touchdown pass from yeah. ASU or or, uh, or the Cardinals or something Thank God I was at a NASCAR all weekend and I did not have to suffer through that crap this weekend Wow it was to to think that ASU could go with 80 yards of offense and they were the darlings of the weekend Yeah Compared Compared yeah. to what the Cardinals put up. Well, let's start where you were. How, how was your weekend it was in good. Avondale? It was good, man. Uh, look, uh, fantastic racing out there. I mean, Cup, you know, the Cup guys tend to get uh, out of Phoenix Raceway. It tends to get boring in the middle of the race. That's when, as media members, we just go and eat in the press room and, and get cooled down because it was hot out there. Uh, you know, and then when you come back out for the exciting finish deal. But, yeah, no, uh, Ryan Blaney gets his victory, championship victory yesterday. Fantastic. Uh, good time out there. It was a little hot. I'm a, little, I'm a little worn out today, a little hot, but, uh, you know, let's keep my eye on the games, you know. But uh, Ex- Explain this to me, because we were laughing earlier in the day about the hilariousness of the Denver Nuggets new court, because you have all these new courts for the in-season tournaments. When they mismeasured and it. And the Nuggets put the 23-foot, 9-inch line at 23 feet, 11 inches, yeah. and uh, so it's about 2 inches off, but that was only in shoot-around, so they got it right for game day. Isn't that amazing, though, really quick before you finish that yeah. thought? Isn't it amazing how guys can go out and shoot and be yes. like something? wrong yes yes and almost to a man the Mavericks were confused about what was wrong with their shots so I asked this so that's funny to me and I it's easy for me to understand it what I don't understand is the huge hubbub about the truck race and a mispainted line I don't know enough about the sport can you explain what happened Friday it's not even a mispainted line there's there's the nuggets line Jeff your production just put up and you can see that's not even close right (laughs) that's that's a big oops yeah yeah exactly exactly that's somebody uh, measuring once in painting instead of measuring <laughs> yeah. twice in painting. Exactly. Right? exactly. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it was much ado about nothing. Was the it? Truck, okay. Well, because the, the truck series, they, they went to them and said, what do you guys want to do? The Xfinity Series and the Cup Series both said, well, put it back where it should be. Okay. Uh, and the truck series was like, yeah, we'll run without it. But it did cause some calamity, absolutely. So basically you have a restart zone. Uh, and and so it does, restart isn't actually at the checkered flat, you know, at the start-finish line on a restart. It's actually before that. And what that means is there's a zone. It's called the Zyko, Geico Zone because they sponsor it. Okay, yeah. And uh, so basically what that means is the leader chooses when to go. So he can go at the beginning of that zone. He can wait till the end of the zone. But nobody can make a move and start going until that leader goes. And it goes all the way from that line to the start-finish no, line? No, no. No, it's, it's an actual zone. So okay. it's X amount of feet, right? Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. there so and then once the leader goes then everybody else can make their moves and uh, and stuff like that okay. so um you know and there's games played right some guys start right as they go into the zone and kind of catch guys off guard some guys wait because everybody else is itching to go yeah. you know so there's a lot of uh you know whatever yeah 
mind games going it's, it's on. It's almost kind of like the way. And again, this is this yeah. is a question from a guy that's not even up to novice status. It's almost like a quarterback trying to get uh, an offside. Like exactly like, oh, same okay. concept. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes gotcha. you know they go up and they're like you know they they you know wait till the one and then sometimes they're snapping it at ten. Same yeah. type of okay. a concept, yeah. right? Because yeah. you want to get the guys off there. So I don't. I never got an explanation on why it was repainted. It was painted wrong, uh, but they certainly repainted it after Friday night, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's and, and and for somebody that doesn't know and understand, it's just funny to read. They yeah, got a line off like, like some. I read somewhere it might have been by twenty feet or yeah, something. Yeah, no, it was it was way off. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And but that's the weird thing about it is I don't think we ever got the explanation. It was just oh, they fixed it. But I think part of why we didn't get an explanation is because uh, the truck series said, no, just keep it. We'll deal with it. Yeah. And so, but it ended up causing some problems. Yeah. It, now, it when did, they said so. keep it, did that mean we're going to play by the new line? Yes. Or did that mean we're going to guess yeah. where the old line was supposed no, to no, be? No, no. You got to play by the line. Oh, yeah. okay. You, okay. Don't, you, don't, you don't mess with the Geico restart line. <laughs> I dig. I don't, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know Geico rules. That, uh, that, that gecko will come out and get you or something. <laughs> Run out on the track. Oh, that's that was. But you, but you enjoyed yourself because I've I've been there for a race before. But I admit, the I was friends with the president of the track, and I got the grand, you know, experience. I'm like, man, this is the greatest thing ever. This is good barbecue. Well, I mean, and in all fairness, I do not experience as as a fan at all. So um, the fan experience, I know about it. I know people have good times, but I am nowhere near even doing that. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, we go out there for all the pre-race stuff. We film everything. We, we got all these videos. A couple are up at WTSM TV oh, under the pit for stop. Good for, for Saturday stuff, the Cup Series stuff will be up later today. Uh, but so I don't experience it at all from that perspective. We yeah. get access that, look, most most people just don't get. And uh, it's, a lot, it's a good time, man. And then uh, when the race is on, it's funny. We just go in and eat and chill and get some air conditioning, watch it on television like everybody else, and then we go back. <laughs> then we all scurry back out to get the final stuff and everything. But, no, it's a good time, man. It's it's a great environment. Uh, you know, sold-out event. They're more than – they roll out the red carpet to the, the media people and the fans That's awesome. uh, out there. And it, it's just a great time all overall. And, look, it's a championship, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool that uh, that we've uh, we've earned that. And then are you doing a, a show Thursday, a final yes. wrap-up? Great. great. Final wrap-up up and then we'll take a hiatus uh going i'm actually going to ask if we can maybe go instead of an hour maybe go an hour and a half this week uh so i'm putting that out through the airwaves here now uh give us more time to you know talk about it we have a bunch of video i got a bunch you know stuff i'm going to put together so we can play a little bit more of that uh coming up and then uh and then we'll take our hiatus until uh the clash in february we'll come back for that and do the whole season next year instead of just the playoff right well i'm sure that ceo chris has the final decision but for what I'm, working. I know. No, we're gonna. You want two hours? It. You got two hours. I, I, I was gonna, already gonna ask you, Steve. I was gonna. Uh, I know. I was gonna actually argue. Uh, Jeff has the final decision <laughs> since he produces it. So. That's a, you know, that, That's a good point. That's <laughs> Jeff, a very good. Jeff point. Jeff decides to leave. <laughs> it's an hour show. <laughs> that's a very, well said by you. I, uh, I I think that that's a, a, a much better uh, dictation. What was this? Is the hardest question you'll ever be asked. Uh-oh. What was the worst football thing you saw this weekend? Well, I mean, there was so much. I, I know. Oh, That's I'm like, well, there's so many bad teams in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then there's so many good teams that are playing bad right now, too. So I don't know what's going on in the NFL, right? I'm yeah. talking about Buffalo specifically. But they're all just all around. And then the college football side, nobody wants to win anything. <laughs> 
You know, they're just all fumbling around right now. Close Georgia, Missouri, close game. You know, and maybe maybe Georgia when that college football playoff poll came out, and Ohio State was number one, and Georgia was number two because Ohio State played Penn State. Yeah, yeah. And you know, but all their games have been close, and they haven't performed to the exactly. level they should. Exactly. Maybe Georgia went. Maybe we just got to play closer to crappier schools, and maybe we'll get the number one spot. So maybe that's why they struggled against the, Missouri this week. I am not agreeing with this, but the argument in favor of Ohio. Ohio State was their supposed resume. Yeah, we played it and laughed at it with the Kurt Herbstreit and ESPN yeah. bending over backwards. But yeah. if their resume is that good based on beating Penn State and Notre Dame, what's yeah. happening to Notre Dame? Yeah. Well, I mean, I uh, mean, Penn State played nobody before they played Ohio State. Exactly. I mean, it was a bunch of little, you know, Debbies of the poor schools before they hit Ohio State. And oh, it's just no, I, I'm one of those believers. And I'll, I say it on my program all the time, and I'll tell you my conspiracy theory. And okay. it's true, by the way. Um, Ohio State's number one, and Michigan's number three, because when they face off, uh, when Ohio State loses that game, they're still in the playoffs because they fall from one. They'll fall from one to three or one to four, and that's why Ohio State will be ranked one in the playoffs until, unless they lose, they'll be ranked number one in the playoffs until that game. For that reason, they lose that game, and they that way they stay in the playoffs because it's a conspiracy, <laughs> and it's true. Thank you. My counterpoint, I do not think it's a conspiracy. I just think there's dumb people on the panel. <laughs> there's people that don't know what they're doing. There's a difference between so smart to create a conspiracy and just shouldn't be there. Opinion, not that I can prove it, uh, of whether or not those guys are smart. I just look at if the Big Ten is so good. Now, we all know Michigan State is not good, right? Would we all agree Michigan State's not good? However, you got UW who has faced a good non-conference, non-Power uh, 5 team in Boise State and a Big Ten team in Michigan State, and they got those wins. And then the playoff committee is saying Oregon is about as good as it gets. Oregon is as good as it gets. And they beat Oregon. So if you've been able to beat a team that's as good as it gets in Oregon, doesn't that mean your resume's better now that Notre Dame's fallen off? How good are they really? Come on. I I don't think it's that. You know one game that did hurt the Pac-12? The Pac-12 had better wins in the non-conference than anybody moving in. But one game that hurt was Notre Dame over USC. That, that one hurt because as USC kind of trips over itself every now and then, Everybody's looking at Notre Dame. Well, how did Notre Dame beat USC? And they're using that against the Pac-12. And now you see SEC and Big Ten schools coming back up. It's so funny. If the Pac-12 actually was going to exist next year, I would say this is one of the most important college football playoffs ever. Because if UW or Oregon wins the championship, it puts everybody else in their place for denying the Pac-12 their proper place throughout this uh, this season. But now, it's not going to matter. I guess as Big 12 fans, we're supposed to be happy that Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma. Hey, get out of the Big 12, Oklahoma. And Oklahoma State wins the last bedlam. Yeah, yeah, go Big 12. I guess that matters for our new conference. All right, enough of me yapping. Time for versus Vegas. Versus Vegas kind of stunk for me yesterday, I or this weekend. I went one for two, and I have to admit how lucky I was on the one. 
I said Ohio State would cover the 18 and a half against Rutgers. I said that I know Ohio State has hardly beaten anybody the way they're supposed to, but I figured Rutgers was the get fat game and to be able to fix it. Ohio State clearly knew what the spread was. They scored a touchdown when they could have taken a knee and ended the game, but they scored a touchdown inside the 11-yard line to be able to go from a 12-point lead to a 19-point lead with two minutes left. Would you like to know what the spread was? 18 and a half. Tell me they didn't need that touchdown. They could have run out the clock. No, no, no. They knew what the spread was, and Ohio State wins 35-16. They cover. I thought UCLA at U of A. I used the tag. I love it. I thought this was an easy pick that it would be over 50 points. Wow. Give U of A's defense a ton of credit. It only gets to a total of 37 points. Two touchdowns behind. And U of A got to the number 27, so they got over 25. They did their part to bring the line over 50, the total over 50, but destroyed UCLA 27 to 10. So I lose that one. I still don't know how I got this game wrong. I took the Atlanta Falcons minus four. Kirk Cousins out. Backup quarterback out on the second offensive series of the game. Joshua Dobbs comes in. He didn't even know his teammates' names. He introduced himself to the Vikings media in the press conference saying, Hi, my name's Josh. He didn't know the offense and yet leads them to 17 points in the latter half of the third quarter and fourth quarter, scores with 22 seconds remaining, and the Minnesota Vikings win 31-28. I would have just had a draw if it wasn't for that. The, the, the Falcons were only up by four, but at least I wouldn't have lost. So instead I go one and two on the weekend, drop to 10-23, 9-32, and seven. Today's games, I've got um, – Everything I got two NBA and I've got one game in the NFL tonight for Monday Night Football. San Antonio's on the back end of a back-to-back, and they're going to Indiana, and the Pacers are playing pretty decent ball. I'm going to go with the Pacers in this one, covering. It's a big spread, eight and a half points. It's a little large for me, but I, I love my system of looking at back-to-backs that are in my favor. So I'll take the Pacers to cover, and Dallas is on the back end of a back-to-back, and I don't think they're going to take Orlando seriously. Orlando hustles. Orlando's favored by a point and a half. Some places it's two and a half. I don't want to go that far. I'm not going to take them to cover, but I'm going to take Orlando on the money line against Dallas. And then the Chargers, usually a team that chokes, The money line is a little egregious. The money line is like a minus three something, minus 300 something. So I'm going to take the Chargers to cover in New York on Monday Night Football. It's more my opinion of the Jets. The Jets are playing better football, so a lot of people think this is a good game for the Jets. I'm going to take the Chargers minus the three and a half and believe in Justin Herbert on this one. But... I I need to get my NBA games right. So then that Chargers game is going to be the difference between 2-1 and 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 3-0. If I end up getting the other games wrong and the NFL game is determining whether or not I have a winning night, that, that might be a little rough. 
All right, a couple things to remember. Unplugged at Whirlwind.com, unplugged at Whirlwind.com. Please go to the website and consider becoming a Whirlwind Plus member. If you're a golfer, it's one of the greatest plans you will see in the entire state. If you're not a golfer, do it for the monthly total for November and December just to get the discount. If you're doing any Christmas shopping for a golfer, do it at the pro shop. Save a lot of money. That's going to be worth it for you to become a member for the month. Also, don't forget about the fantastic interview that's coming up on Saturday. Become a live member. Become a plus member. Join us here at WTSMTV.com so you don't miss anything that's going on next week with this hopefully legendary interview that I've been able to put together. Thanks to the sponsors. Our newest sponsor, 100 Mile Brew, Brewing Company in Tempe. There's Parker & Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. The uh, Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. And, of course, Burrito Express with the best breakfast burrito that you'll ever have in your life. Bell's National Kitchen in Scottsdale. And Rosati's at Ray and McQueen in Chandler. The main event is up next. I'll see you tomorrow.